live my life. I'm nothing without Jesus. Jesus, he is the head of my life. You know, when, when you were singing that song, Amen Solomon, it, it just blessed my heart because I always am careful to not live on my own strength, but live on the strength of the Lord. You know, when, when, when I was sitting over here on Sunday and Bishop said, you know, pretty much, not saying in the words that Bishop said, but he said that I wasn't the same person that I was in New York. And when he said that, I know where he was going when he said elder, but, but he said that I had to come to the realization that he is right. The Lord has manifested himself in me and people see a difference within me. Bishop didn't know me when I was in New York, but he knows that I wasn't the same person when I lived in New York. So what that told me is that he saw the glory of the Lord upon me and I'm nothing without him. So I always think about it. It is nothing but the goodness of the Lord. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus, how we say it, Deacon Wilson? And all he done for me. My very soul, my very soul, my soul, my soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me. Amen. So I, I greet you. Please, please have your seat. Have your seat for a moment. You know, I, I don't plan on staying too long, but I just plan on letting the Lord use me if that's all right. You know, I, I know we had a rough day today. Our day started off with a bunch of snow and a bunch of everything going on. And you know, it seemed like I, I was trying to clean up the, the driveway every time I cleaned up a spot. A few minutes later, it was a whole nother inch there. So I, I, I worked that shovel this morning, <laughs> and normally we have someone come and plow our driveway out, but I worked that shovel today. But to God be the glory, he provides me with the health and the strength to do it, to do it. So we're going to move forward. Amen. Well, I greet you. I greet you, my brothers and sisters, and my family in the Lord. There's nothing unlike family. This is my family here. You are my family. I have extended family, I have close family, and I have my church family. Nobody can say anything about my church family because I love my church family. And I always don't forget to count it as an honor and a privilege to stand before you. I take this as a very serious task you know, I, I'm an employee of the state of Connecticut, and uh, what they entrust me to do daily, I take it serious. It's serious business for me. They entrust me with a lot of authority, and I don't take it for granted that authority that they entrust me with, I take it very serious. So every time I stand behind this sacred desk, I take that very, very serious. I don't come up here just for fame, fashion, or acknowledgement, or nothing more than to praise and bless the name of Jesus. So I thank our bishop. I always thank him for allowing me the opportunity to stand in his stead when he's not here. And to 
the leadership of this house, the deaconess, I always tell you I love you, and I love those red hats you had on Sunday. I always look at those hats. You'll you, you be wearing those hats. And to my deacons, you know, my deacons, those are my brothers over there. Those are my mentors. I respect them. I love them to death. And to all of the clergy here and to my shallow family. But, you know, I, I did this one time, one time when I preach. And, and deacon, I believe it was Deacon Wilson. He said, come here, young man. And I was like, okay. And I'm, I'm very respectful. I'm very respectful. He knows that to all of them. So I said, yeah, 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 Deke, what's, what's up? He goes, you didn't acknowledge your wife. He goes, don't you ever forget to do that. I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. And, and, and he beat me, and it beat me up so bad because that's the love of my life. I don't forget my wife. But sometimes when you get so caught up in emotion and a task that's set before you, you forget some of those things. But I'm not going to forget it tonight. To my wife, the lovely elder Tasha Martin, I love her. And to my children, Robin and Trefina, I don't know, they might be watching via Ustream if that's available for them. But I love my children as well. Those are my children. I love them. Okay. So we're going to get started. We're going to get started. Um, the last time, the last few times I stood before you to teach Bible study, I taught on the subject living a Christian lifestyle, if you can remember about that. Uh, uh, I taught about what we do as Christians to live a lifestyle of Christianity. How do we display that Christian love, that Christian feeling that when someone looks at us, they see the Jesus within us. How do we dis display that? We, we talked about Christian lifestyle. But in my teaching, I define Christianity as a little different than what Webster defined it as. Basically, I just said it was Christian, continuous Christian living, Christianity. Christianity is defined in the Bible it is not, the, it's the final Webster, but when we got together and we had some discussions surrounding this, I left with some characteristics of what is Christian lifestyle, living a Christian lifestyle. It's something that we have to work at daily. It is not something that is easily come to us or it's something we were born with or it's something we receive by coming to service on Sunday morning or to Bible study on Tuesday. It's a continuous lifestyle that we must live. You know, we, we as husbands or as wives or, or as musicians, we practice the art of being married by displaying that love. We practice playing our instruments by practicing it. That's how we become proficient at it. We become proficient at whatever we practice and strive to for daily. That's how we become proficient. So Christianity, we su I suggested, was just continuous Christian living. Okay. For this evening Bible study, we're going to do some more teaching. I'm not really going to preach tonight. I'm going to teach if that's all right with you. Uh, is, um, I, I have a gift of teaching. I love teaching. And so when I get the opportunity to teach, I like to teach. I can preach too, but I like to teach. So we're going to teach tonight, okay? 
I suggest that also part of living a Christian lifestyle does not solely depend on how we live our individual lives, but it also involves how we treat others, how we treat one another, how we treat Christians, how we treat non-Christians, how we teach the people, treat the people that come through our doors on Sunday morning, and how we pray. Absolutely. So, before we get into the scripture, um, I would like to focus on our subject tonight as Focus on the Love. Title, Focus on the Love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come into the house of worship just one more time. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity to study and hear what it is to focus on the love. Lord, you have placed this on my heart to let us know and to have some discussion and teaching and training on about what it is to love one another, Lord. So we ask, Lord, that you rain down on us right now. Father, I ask, Lord, that you remove Robert and you have complete control of me, Lord, to do thy will, Lord. So I am a willing vessel, and you just have your way. So I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So let us, if you're able, to please stand for our scripture reading for this evening. The foundation scripture for this evening will be found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. And we'll be going verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 13, verses 1 to 3. And it reads, Let brotherly, and I add, sisterly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them those who are mistreated, since yourself are in the body also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. I have your seat. There is a story told about a man who was walking down the street. He passed a used bookstore, and in the window he saw a book with the title, How to Hug, How to Hug how to hug, how to wrap your arms around someone and hug them. That was the name of the title of this man saw. He was taken back by the title and being somewhat a romantic man in nature, he went back to buy the book because it got his curiosity. He was a loving man, romantic man. He wanted to see what this book about hugging was. So he went back and he purchased it. But it was his, to his dismay, he discovered that the book with the seventh volume of an encyclopedia that covered the subject, How to Hug. Last week throughout the country, many of us, if not all of us, celebrated a national holiday, Thanksgiving. It was a time where we gave thanks for what God has done in our lives, as well as a time where we shared with family and friends. It was essentially a time where we displayed love on one another. We 
waited for our families to come to our house to ring the doorbell. We opened up the door, and then we gave them that big hug. And we said, hey, it's great to see you. You know, we'll, come on in, come on in, come on in. You know, we prepared the house. We prepared the table. We were ready to feast, but we're also ready to love on one another. That's a time of year when we share that love during that Thanksgiving time. We give thanks for the Lord. We give thanks for our relative. We give thanks for what God has done in our lives. It's just a time that we share Thanksgiving. In studying and preparing for this lesson tonight, I could not help but ponder the question, why does this particular holiday differ from our everyday lifestyle, living as Christian? Loving on one another, loving our fellow brothers and sisters. Why do we only wait to a particular holiday to do that? We see our brothers and sisters, we see people that we work with, we wake up in the morning, we might see people in our neighborhood, we come to church weekly, we, 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 we're in the midst of people all day long, whether we go to the store, we're out and about, but why is it that we wait for that particular holiday to love on one another? That, that was a question that I asked myself. And then it went even deeper. I, I, I thought about how many times we come in church and we see the people that we love, our family, our church family. But then we see individuals that come through the door and we're just looking at them like, who are they? They're new. Okay, should I go talk to them or, or should I just wait and fill it out and see how it goes, see if it's all good in the hood as they say. What should we do? You know, the, the brother plays up there one of the guitars, the bass or the, or the lead, which, whatever one he plays, Lamar. You know, I did it myself. I'm guilty of it. I sat there, I saw the brother there with his wife, and instead of me walking over to him, showing him some love and saying, hi, how are you? This is, my name is Minister Martin, good to meet you. What's your name? I didn't, I didn't do that. I waited till he went up there and he started playing with the band. And then I reached over to him and said, hey brother, how you doing? Playing good up there. Lamont must got you going on up here. You know, you're following Leroy on the drum with your bass. So I did that. But how many times we don't do that? In the church, in the church. One writer puts it this way. Everyone knows that a church is a place where love ought to be manifested. And many people have come to church hoping to find a demonstration of love only to discover theology. Only to discover theology. Now that's a powerful statement. That is saying that most people come to church to be loved by someone, to be loved on. They come to hear the word, but that's not good enough. We have a powerful preachers in this house. 
and, and they're going to hear a good word, but when they walk out the door, can theology be the only thing that holds them, or is it that love that they need? Is it that love that they need, or the theology? So the, the, the writer demonstrated that in saying, many people have come hoping to find a demonstration of love only to discover theology. In other words, in other words, individuals come to church to find a culture of love, but ultimately they leave out the door is with just a word and not the love. Why is that? Why is that? If we as Christians profess loving everyone, Christians and non-Christians alike, then the question becomes, why is the love not being felt by others? If that was your question, as it is for Elder Robert Martin, then I want you to do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor. Glad Elder Martin asked that question. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, it's very, very simple. It's our human nature. With, with that said, I want to see if the audio and video team can get up this little uh, ca cartoon strip. Let's see. Okay. So hold it up there. Don't take it down. Leave it right there. Perfect. Thank you. Great job, A.V. So we asked the question. I said, it's our human nature. Yes, the reason why it becomes difficult for us to display love to our brothers and sisters at that time, it has nothing to do with a whole lot of theology. It's simply our human nature at time. So I, I came across this humorous but profound comic strip. It's from the Peanuts. If you ever watched the, read the Peanuts in the newspaper, I, I came across this and it provided me with insight into human nature. So this is Lucy and Linus for those of you who remember the peanut. So the first part there says, well Lucy's telling Linus, they must have had some previous conversation where he told her he was a doctor. So she's skipping away, jumping rope. You a doctor? Ha, that's a big laugh. That's Lucy. Then she goes and say, you could never be a doctor. You know why? Pause for a minute. And then she skips in a jump rope away again. Because you don't love mankind, that's why. You don't love mankind, so you can't be a doctor. So Linus gets upset. He was pretty calm to that point. Pretty calm. He just let Lucy yell at him, skip away in a rope. Then Linus, he replies back, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. This, thank you, Avi. This is sometimes how we think. We say we love people but we don't love mankind, or vice versa. But do we really love? 
When I think about love, most of us would express that we are ultimately loving people as part of who we are, especially the ones, everyone that's in here tonight. We're all loving people. If we, if we keep it real with each other, we all are inclined to overrate ourselves at times. Do we love difficult family members? Do we love those cousin Bubba? I have a cousin named Bubba, you're laughing, but I do. <laughs> and, and my wife, she, she's when I said Bubba, she just shook her head, don't, don't talk about Bubba. <laughs> don't talk about Bubba, please don't talk about Bubba, honey. You know, you get to, to reach a spouse, what they say, and she knows about Bubba. So I got one of those difficult relatives named Bubba. Or is it someone that you have on a job? Do you, do you have that one? You have that one that, that meets you early in the morning and say, well, how was your weekend? Well, where did you go last night? What did you do yesterday? Well, you were a little late this morning. How come you didn't drive the car you normally drive? Is it one of those that just gets, that really gets under your skin? Do we love that job that we go to? Better yet, tough one here. Do we love all of our brothers and sisters in our congregation? Do we love them? Or is it, girl, sister so-and-so, came here, and I know she wasn't looking at me the way she was, because I was only trying to sing in the choir. Lamont said, come on up here and sing. And now they're looking at me like, what you doing up here? You know you can't sing. Leroy's just saying, hey. <laughs> Jose's the peacekeeper. Jose was like, you can sing, you can sing, you can sing. Come on. But the rest of the crier is saying, girl, you know you shouldn't be up there singing. Do we love them all? Do we love them all? Do we love them all? We're talking about love, right? We're talking about love. Do we love them all? I believe some of those answers to the questions, if not all of them, would be, brother preacher, how can I show love when my children are not doing what I thought they would be doing? How I raised them to be? what I told them, and what I've guided them to do. As my wife always say, this money that I invested in them, this, this college bill I didn't pay for, well, what's going on? They're messing this money up here. People on your job just struck that last nerve. Struck that last nerve. You, you know how we get, you know how we get, we get so irritated when they come to us and approach us in the morning, we say, girl, just don't know. I'm about to DMX up in here. Everyone know what DMX is, right? You know, you know the saying with DMX? I shouldn't go there, right? I should leave that alone? Leave it alone. Well, DMX, I think I'm gonna try, Leroy. I won't go too far, right? DMX lets you know, y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to leave it there. The good news is I came to suggest 
that it's, it's our human nature not to express love during life challenges, but through God. Somebody say, through God. Yeah. All thing is what? Possible. possible. Through God. Not on your own human nature, but through God, all thing is possible. If we were to focus on the love, not the situation, love will prevail every time. You don't even have to worry about your situation. Focus on the love, focus on the love. How do we overcome our human nature by focusing on the love? In revisiting the text, what we will find in Hebrews 13, the last chapter of the book takes a shift from the first 12 chapters of Hebrew. Okay. What do I mean by that? It is a common pattern that the other New Testament epistles, which is known as letters, the first 12 chapters of the book largely are doctrine in nature. They speak of doctrine, okay? That's what the first 12 chapters do in the book of Hebrews. Then when you get down to that last chapter, chapter 13, it contains practical commands. So basically those practical commands are what are our applications for life. That's where we find those applications. So we have the doctrines in the first 12, and then we get down to chapter 13, we find the application, the practical part of what we have to do or what we're being told to do. This is important for us to notice because if we stay stuck focusing on the doctrine without application, it will lead us right into our human nature that I talked about, that we talked about. We have to be very careful here because without application on how to deal with that human nature, we will be headed right for a road of spiritual pride, not love. I recall hearing someone say, knowledge puffs us up. That's the doctrine. But love builds us up. That's the application. This is some good stuff. I like that part there. Knowledge puffs up. It puffs us up. It makes us feel boisterous. It, it, it makes us feel important. It makes us walk around like we are the big man on the block. That's what that does because when you educate and you learn something, which is the doctrine, we're, we're learning the doctrine, we become prideful. We become that you can't tell us nothing. I know the law. I, I, I know the gospel. I know the doctrine. So it makes us feel that I can go to Sunday school and, and Elder uh, Williams is teaching and he does a great job. But when he's teaching, he's in his element that he knows because he studied it. So you get a more of that sense of, all right, which, what questions you got for me? Come on, I'm ready for it. The doctrine. But love, love, the application to show the love, that builds us up even more. That's what we need, that love. 
that's what we need. So that, that, that part right there, that, that's some good stuff. You know, and I would like to stay there and that we can stay there and talk about just that alone, the doctrine and the application. But we gotta move on, we gotta move on. Back to the text. In looking at the text, we find that the writer provides a good foundation by letting us know to beware of not being focusing or displaying love as we might be entertained by angels unaware. A few years ago, um, my wife and I went on vacation. We go on vacation around about the same time every year. And I believe this particular year we were vacationing in Florida or, or we were in Florida at this particular time. So every time we go on vacation, if we're not on an all-inclusive resort, we go and we look for a nice seafood restaurant. You know, I'm a meat and potato guy. My wife loves seafood, so we're going to find some seafood. I can always find meat and potato. So we found this restaurant. On this particular night, there was a waiter who served our table. And when he came over, Caucasian man, he had some very casual conversation with us. But he was very serious. And the conversation, I, I, I'm not really a, a, a person that say a lot of words, so I have a lot of conversation. <laughs> Most people would think I would the type of work I do, you know, but I know when to and when not. I'm more uh, an observer. I like to observe people, okay? But in this particular night, the gentleman came over and he started talking to us. And he immediately grabbed my wife and I attention. We were focusing on what he was, going, what he was saying. Really soft-spoken man, talked very eloquent. And he didn't even ask us, what do you want? Or what's on the menu? He just had some casual conversation with us. He looked right into my face and he says, you have to stop focusing on resentment. You have to let go of the resentment. And I, I didn't know what to say. I looked at him, I looked at my wife, and we both looked at it and said that this is, I wouldn't say, I can't say that it was an angel because I didn't know it was an angel. But this was a powerful man speaking a word of God into my life. What he didn't know, well, I would say that God gave him was what I was dealing with. I pretty much pushed it back and put it in one of those closets that we have. We say that we put things in compartments and I put it all in compartment all throughout my life. So he exposed that. God exposed that during that time. And after it, he went, he ordered our food and he went away. And then my wife and I started talking. And I believe I said to her, he was right. Because what I knew my wife knew, because I shared it with her, is that I was upset and had resentment in my heart towards my father, my biological father, not my heavenly father. The reason why I had resentment towards my father was because my father and mother separated. 
when I was at a young age. The last time I actually saw my father, I was in the hospital. I think I shared this with you before. In Harlem Hospital, I had to be rushed in there for emergency surgery for my appendix. I had appendixitis, it was ready to break. He came to see me. And at the time, I think the phone calls, uh, toll phone, you throw a quarter and he could call. And I rolled over, still in pain, saw my father, I was happy to see him, and he handed me a quarter, kissed me on my forehead, and walked out the door. And that was the last time I saw him. So it always bothered me, but it made me strong to the point where nothing could bother me. Nothing could bother me. So now to have this man say that I was dealing with resentment, I was like, wow, wow. And from that point on, God knew I needed that to release and to love my father regardless, just as I love the heavenly father. I couldn't do that before that point. And now I'm an adult, children of my own, but I couldn't do it. But I was able to do it then because it was brought to my attention. It was exposed on what was inside of me because I could not hold on to the resentment and still show love. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So let's take a moment to think about this. Who are we entertaining? Or better yet, let's ask, how are you entertaining? With that in mind, I suggest that our Christian love and kindness is shown whenever we feel at home or in the presence of one another. It's not about the house, it's about the heart. It's not the fact that someone could come in our church and see us and we show them love if we don't have it in our heart. Because just as I used that illustration, God knew that that resentment was holding me back from giving that love. I couldn't give the love if I had resentment in my heart. I couldn't do it, and he knew that. So it's about the heart. In my studies, I came across a definition that suggests love and kindness can be defined as the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. In the New Testament, the Greek word for kindness, which is often used as love, is translated as hospitality, hospital. Literally, it means love of stranger. In the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 33, 34 through 34, we find that it is, a specifically, it is specifically commanded by God to the people of Israel how to treat one another. When an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native borns. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. If God is reminding us in the Old and in the New Testament, we are required to do what, love? We are required to display love, not just to one another, our church families. We are required to display love to our strangers as well. And that can be tough. 
but we're required to do it. It's not an option. We're required. With that in mind, I would like to close out and leave you with three quick requirements which will help us enhance our focus of love towards all of God's children. The first requirement could be found in verse one of the text. Let brotherly love continue. So our requirement, love requires altruism. A-L-T-R-U-I-S-M, altruism. The principle or practice of concern for, for the welfare of others. In other words, we're required to be kind to one another. First Peter 4, 9 states it this way, show hospitality, show kindness and love to one another without grumbling. We have to be kind to everyone and don't get upset by doing it. If we were being kind only on the surface and not in the heart or grumbling about it, we keep people not in a safe zone. They're not in a safe zone. They don't feel safe. And I'm not physically talking about being safe. If anyone of us know, if you don't feel safe in a particular area, what do you do? You get out. Get out really quick and fast. And you probably won't visit that particular area again because you don't feel safe. You don't feel safe in that particular place. We're reminded in Romans 12 and 13, we should share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. In other words, we should be in a place of help when others need us while displaying that love. Chapter one of the text is letting us know that we must focus on love in helping our fellow believers. I will also add that this is a requirement for all of God's children, not just Christians. We're required to love all of God's children, whether we like it or not, whether we like them or not. All right, we're gonna move forward very quickly, all right. Requirement number two, love requires availability. As we find in Leviticus 19 and 34, let me see, let's bring that up. Go to Leviticus 19 and 34 real quick. Okay. okay. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in a land of Egypt, and I'm the God, the Lord your God. We have a great usher board here at Shiloh. We have a great usher board. That's right. Give it up for the usher board. Give it up for them. Give it up for the usher who stand at the door every week as our doorkeepers. If I was to take it one step further, we have a great diaconate board here who stands here as doorkeepers as well. Every first Sunday of the month, Deacon Medina stands there or here, somewhere in this area right here, 
and he looks out to the congregation and he says what? We love you. We're here for you. We'll come to your home. We'll pray for you. We'll, oh, we'll give you communion. We'll sing with you. And then we're going home. But, but what, if, if you listen to what Deacon Medina said, <laughs> you got to go home sometime. Right? You can't do it all day. But, 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 but if you listen to Deacon Medina, when he's speaking, all of the deaconess, they're looking at him and they're shaking their head. Yes, they're in agreement with him. If you go to this side and you look at all the deacons, from our senior to our junior deacons, they're looking and they're in agreement with Deacon Medina. Deacon Medina is letting everyone know that we love you. We're gonna come and we're gonna fellowship with you. We're gonna break bread with you. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna sing for you. Whatever you need, we're there for you. He's available. He's available for them. I came today to suggest that it's not the only responsibility of the ushers, the diaconate board, or the elders, or the ministers. It's everyone's responsibility everyone's responsibility to show all of our visitors that Shiloh love, that Shiloh love. We, 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 we sing that song, I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and watch God what? Change thing. <laughs> it's everyone's responsibility to have that welcoming spirit. Charlene's trying to help a brother out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sis. <laughs> we got to move on, though, sis. All right. So in revisiting verse 2 of the text, we're reminded that we have to be careful and stay into ourselves. Outside of church, and sometime in church, we call that cliques. We got to be very careful of those cliques or groups. We have to broaden ourselves out a little bit more and show that love that Deacon Medina talks about. We will never know if we have missed that opportunity to entertain that angel, those angels. Just as I, I, I said earlier that my wife and I went to that restaurant. I don't know how we got to that restaurant. I don't know how we selected it, but that was almost a missed opportunity for me to get that release that I needed. So we have to be careful. I don't know about you. I don't want to know about you. I don't know about you. But I don't want to miss that opportunity. I don't want to miss at all. I don't want to miss the opportunity to be available. We must be available. We must be available. Our final requirement for this evening is that love requires attachment. Love requires attachment. Requirement number three. In other words, it's that Velcro that joins us together. Some, I have mentioned this before, that uh, a while back, a couple years I think it's been now, about a year or so, my wife decided that she came home and she wanted to redecorate our bathroom. She's like, why are you picking on me? See, she came in, she says, all right, I'm tired of the way the bedroom look, I wanna change it. So I says, okay, what are we gonna do? 
So it was time, you know, our carpet was a little worn, you know, we needed a new carpet. All right, so go out, we pick a carpet, pick what you want. So we went out, picked out a carpet that we wanted, nice carpet, we're both in agreement. Okay, get back to the house. Thought that was the last thing we were doing in our redecorating phase. Well, here's some paint. We gotta paint these clothes. We gotta move the bedroom set out. And we gotta go into this walk-in closet and we gotta do some stuff there. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a project. This is gonna be a project. But I love my wife, I did say that. I love my wife. Sure, honey, let's do it, whatever you want. So we did that project, we did that project. In our bedroom, we have these pictures on the wall. And it's pictures of different countries that we have visited while we were on vacation. Just the two of us, her and I. And they're on the wall. So when I put those pictures on the wall, I didn't want to put any holes in the wall, because why? I didn't want to fix the wall. <laughs> so I went out and got me some double stick Velcro tape, put it on the picture, and stuck that picture to the wall. And it worked, it worked out good for me. The problem came when we had to redecorate. It was supposed to come right off the wall. You know, when you Velcro, you stick things there, it ain't work out that way for me. Jose's already said, no, it don't. So I'm like, okay, so I, I'm trying to get it off easily there, but it wouldn't come off. And so I pulled it, and it ripped the sheetrock with it. So now, I gotta paint this wall, Sheetrock's ripped off, I got all, like a little dent in the wall, I gotta now fill it in before we paint it. It, it was all good. <laughs> Instead of using the nails, I use Velcro strips. And I originally thought the strips were gonna help me out, be fine for me, it was a good idea. But it wasn't such a good idea. I came tonight to suggest that our visitors are looking for that same Velcro strength. They're looking for some of us to attach themselves to us so they can feel that love, to hold on to them, to be with them when they have issues, to hold them, to pray for them, to go over there and do what Deacon Medina says that the diaconate board does. That's what they're looking for. And why is that? Because the enemy cannot pull, it up, pull them apart when they attach themselves to us. The enemy is always what? Trying to grab us away and to get us alone, to get us isolated, to put us in a place, in a position where we don't have the strength as that Velcro to hold on. So we have to be cognizant of that. The enemy would love to see nothing more but God's children stuck outside of God's safety nest not residing inside of that safety net, but to be stuck outside. We know that the enemy comes to what? Do three things. Heal, kill, and destroy. That's all the enemy comes to do, nothing else, but to kill, steal, and destroy. As Christians and as the church body, God has provided us the right to cancel out any of Satan's attachments throughout our display of love towards others. Matthew 28, 18 and 20 lets us know for where two or three are gathered, in whose name? In whose name? In the name of Jesus, he will be in the midst. Because it is through the name of Jesus 
that demons tribble. It is through the name of Jesus that all strongholds are broken. It is to, through the name of Jesus where deliverance come. It is through the name of Jesus where our healing come. It is through the name of Jesus that our love will be displayed. The word of God. I love you, I love you, Lord.